Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And Ann, we have a Cannes Film Festival lineup to talk about, which is always super exciting, at least in our world, because it gives us this huge international scope of movies to pick through and to speculate about, because a lot of things that Cannes puts in its lineup you kind of assume they're there for a, a range of reasons that don't necessarily tell you which movie's really going to be the big deal so much as, you know, which filmmakers are coming back. And we see a lot of familiar names this year, but it's a good balance with some some uh, first timers and potential discoveries, don't you think? Definitely. No, I'm always very excited. And I, I look through the tea leaves uh, the same way that you do. And I, I'm also sort of looking at what are the things that are actually going to translate back in the States uh, beyond uh, the closet <laughs> itself. And that's a Not smaller much, list. <laughs> but I was happy to see that Terrence Malick finally finished his movie that we've been waiting for for Maybe. so long, <laughs> A Hidden Life. Whereas we don't know whether, well, Hidden Life, what I like about that is is the idea that you have a World War II movie. You've got Matthias Schoenartz, who's one of my favorite, favorite actors, who still hasn't broken out in a big way. And I keep waiting for it to happen because he's one of the great actors that we have. And he's also beautiful. You know, he's not. Well, he's the not... movie I'm sure will match that on some level. The thing about Malik that's so fascinating is that Tree of Life was this big deal. And then he's made, making these either minor or kind of misconceived movies in the years since they then. They all that seem not... like shades of, tra- you know, they all feel like they're little pieces of Tree of Life that they're made they the same came, way. Um... And, and, and sort of shot a by Chivo and, you know, yeah, everybody's improvising. And, yeah. you know. It's like a perfume commercial or something. But the thing is, the, the, the very decision to put a movie in can competition usually carries some implications with it. So you would assume on, on some level that the scope of this, the period piece, the star power, maybe it's his best movie since Tree of Life. I mean, it's really hard to tell, but that would seem likely. But the reason I was laughing when you said that it's, it's, it's going is, is that with Malik, I mean, who knows how finished this movie really is? I mean, he's always tinkering with stuff. Well, the person and- who's tinkering is Quentin yeah. Tarantino. And one of the great uh, parlor games right now in Hollywood is trying to figure out, is he just buying more time? Is he trying to get rid of some of his anxiety? And Because and, people talk about, you know, publicists talk about, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is planning to go. There's a date right. set aside. There's, okay. a, the, there's a Pulp Fiction uh, thing that they're going to do, which may be yeah. what they do instead of showing uh, the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But um, you know that this is a schedule that's very light on big stars, and these people would die. They would just die to have Brad Pitt and Leonardo well, DiCaprio the, and Margot Robbie and Al Pacino and blah, blah, blah on that red course, carpet. I mean, the, the, the news cycle around this movie has been hilarious because it's being reported by people with sources who are either in the Tarantino camp or in the Sony camp or the Cannes camp, and they're all saying different kinds of things. So first we're hearing, yeah, it's definitely going to go and it's time to happen on the date of the Pulp, the, the, the pulp Fiction premiere and it's going to be the big thing. And then we hear from Sony, well, actually, it's not really confirmed yet and there's reports that he's not really done, the edit is taking a long time or whatever. And then Can saying it's not ready, but of course it, it, it's got to be ready on some level or at least... It could be they, a work in progress. And then the yeah. question is, is it worth it? And here's, because someone did get back to me to remind me that Tarantino 
is a perfectionist and he is not somebody really who throws something up before it's ready. And that's a good question. You know, if Quentin isn't ready, then it's not going to go. But if you listen to the way that he talks about can, I mean, it's like this ritualistic thing. It's almost oh, like he loves it. Him. It's been 10 years since he's been there with Inglorious Bastards. He, I mean, as a, as a competitor, he likes to go whenever he can. But um, there's a fascinating dichotomy here between what, what Quentin wants with the cam thing and whether or not it actually benefits a studio, right? We have one studio movie at cam this year with rocket man. And in the opening press conference, Terry from the artistic director actually singles out, Jim Janopoulos at Paramount and, and thanks him basically for bringing this movie notes that he brought Moulin Rouge all these years ago. Cause a lot of studios don't benefit from, I mean, Solo was at Cannes last year. It's the one that ticks all the boxes. In other words, it's not in competition. It's basically a marketing launch. Nobody's looking at it. Like it's going to be one of the great auteur driven Dexter Fletcher <laughs> movies Dexter of Fletcher, auteur. Who, who basically finished uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which by the way, got to nine hundred million dollars worldwide. Just saying, uh, which That's is a huge message. deal. An amazing thing. Embarrassing. Um, yeah. No, it's a commercial movie. We are allowed to have commercial movies. But, but, but the thing Rocket is, like, Rocket Man isn't going to be, you know, the ultimate art film. But it's but going it to launch to it all over the world. It has to be. It has uh, to be good on some they level. Showed, remember terrible. that Ron Howard debuted, uh, you know, the 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 Dan Brown uh, Da Vinci, the, the Vinci Code. Code. Yeah, but that was a different moment. That was that was. They well still do those. Ago. They still do them. It's not a. They showed that stupid terror. Um, you know. Um, John Travolta movie there last well, year, the God just thing, to make I mean, Harvey was, happy or whatever. That wasn't a big studio movie. And the Two God years thing, ago. They were, they were honoring John Travolta. Gotti, it wasn't the Gotti movie. I mean, the, that, that's a different kind of context. That's like when they showed Max Rose, that really bad Jerry Lewis Honey, movie. Honey, I'm just saying you show bad movies when it suits their needs. And they no, I, of course they do. And I, this I one think, is going to be one of those. I, 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 I'm, you're I'm saying not, it's going to be bad. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I'm saying it's going to be a commercial commercial movie like Bohemian Rhapsody, if they're lucky, probably uh, not. I hope it's better than Bohemian Rhapsody. So it's Taron Edgerton. They should be so lucky. It's Taron Edgerton and Richard Madden and Jamie Bell. You know, what are it's going to be? I'm looking forward to it. I saw some footage at CinemaCon, but I'm not expecting a big deal. Movie. Well, if they get Elton John to play on... on He's showing up. That's you know, the point. That's the, the red new. carpet value right there. Yeah, it's like when they had U2 in 3D and U2 played a concert at the Palais. Nobody remembers U2 3D, but they certainly got a lot of Same press deal. Out of They've got Elton John showing up. That's a big deal. But it's all but that, what I'm saying is that movie's opening right after and that's what they're that's what they're doing whereas arguably the Tarantino doesn't open until July. And then there was this rumor, I don't know where this came from, that, that I think it was made up because it doesn't make any sense. Greta Gerwig's movie um, it was going to, The Little Women was going to come and, and replace yeah. the Tarantino or something. Maine. And it's not opening until December. It isn't yeah, it finished. Hilarious. She just had a baby with Noah Baumbach in March, just last month. Also, the idea of trading a Tarantino for a Gerwig it's like the, the internet found that very amusing, but it 
it doesn't really work it doesn't that work way. That way. I, mean, I think they would have been happy to have her, assuming that, that the movie, first of all, they have a woman problem, so they should be so lucky that they would get Greta Gerwig right. in the competition. Totally appropriate if the movie's as good as I suspect it will be, but it, they're not gonna, we're not going to see that until Telluride, Toronto, Ver, Venice, etc. If that, if that. No, no, yeah. that's exactly when we'll see it. It's going to come out and it's going to be shown to the studio in the summer. And uh, and then they're going to put it into the fall festivals. So the, outside of this stuff, in terms of star power and the higher profile things at Cannes, and we'll see what happens with Tarantino. But I, it's it's what's kind of fascinating is, I mean, the the kind of splashier stuff is still very much auteur focused. You know, Jim Jarmusch, which we already knew now about. That's the perfect then, perfect Cannes movie because almost everyone in his cast. I was doing the math. I mean, Bill Murray's been there with Broken Flowers along with a lot of other things. And and Adam Driver has been there many times, um, including Black Klansman last year, but he was also in Patterson. Um, it's a, it's a, Tilda is their ultimate fantasy for the red carpet for opening right. night. But I mean, if this movie didn't have the can bump the way that they're getting it from opening night, it, w- it would have... I mean, it's a it's a harder. This needs sell, it. You know? This is a, it this gets that. a big benefit. This is a focus features movie, but it's also interesting because this is a case where you have. Um, forgive the all right. So Jim Jarmusch did Vampires last, you know, with Only Lovers only Left lovers. Alive. This time he's doing zombies, and of course it's, it looks very very funny. It almost has a sort of almost a a David Lynch feel because it's in well, a small town context. But the thing is, it's like you can't with with most great filmmakers you cannot necessarily distill what they've achieved into the limited language of a trailer. So what I was talking to people about with this trailer looks really silly, but I have a feeling that, especially with, with a Jarmusch movie, you really are going to have to see what the, the pauses are like and stuff. I mean, there's a rhythm to, to the way that he writes. It's kind of like I'm excited, poetry. but the yeah, point so is it can elevates a, a genre That's, movie. Yeah. But that's I mean, like we know that Jim Jarmusch is an auteur, but it's still, and it's in competition, which is very important for that's him. That's a good sign. That's yeah. a good sign. But it is still one of the higher profile films at Cannes. The other one uh, is Pedro Almodovar, who always is treated at Cannes like royalty, but he's also got a pretty starry movie this time with Pain and Glory. Uh, and it's his it's his most reliable stable of folks. I can't and, wait. Uh, I want Antonio Melody. Banderas. And I, I here's my fantasy. I admit this. This is not, I mean, I should wait. I should see the movie. I should see if it's any good. I'm expecting very high, very high expectations. Antonio Banderas has never been nominated. Penelope Cruz has, uh, and she's won. You started the narrative. There's the narrative. I really want, I, I hope it's good. I, he's playing Pedro. He's playing him. Right. And Penelope Cruz is playing his mom. So there's a younger Pedro in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure out exactly how that shakes down. The thing that's interesting about him, I mean, we got this from Julieta in the last film, is that he? it seems that he has, I don't know if he's depressed or something, he's making these quieter, more muted films. Older and man movies. movies. Yeah, he's making older man movies. And he his brand is so closely associated with exuberance and high style and stuff. So it's it's almost like it's a question of, you know, when he pulls back on that, are people disappointed? But because the cast is so good and because it sounds like it's very personal, it probably will have its own idea. You know, the thing is, they put, they put something like that in competition as opposed to giving it a special slot. Is it going to be seen as, you know, greater or lesser than a lot of other stuff, you know, in in the context of Ken? That's always an open it's question. It's a harsher, it is a harsher eye that is placed on, on the... Um, 
it's 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 a double-edged sword in other words the the auteurs want to be the auteurs and they want to be considered because we're going to watch those films more than we are the sidebars because there's only limited time and you and I are going to go around and pick out the there's a lot of things on the side um that we would want to look at for example the you 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 wrote about the Werner Herzog Japanese movie family romance tell us a little more about that that's yeah, i never I, heard of that movie <laughs> so i actually he mentioned this to me when i interviewed him last year he was sort of talking about all these different things because he's always traveling to random places and doing strange projects but usually his globe trotting is associated with his documentary work and then he'll do these narratives in that are that are a little bit different you know maybe they have a star element to them but they're They've been disappointing in recent years, and I don't Most know. Most of his but, narrative work turns out to not be quite. I mean, I loved the one. I loved the one. In, what's the World War Two one in in the jungle? Well, what's which one was that? Well, there, there it was, was a remake of, of Little Dieter Learns to Fly. What? Exactly, that was good. Yeah, I mean that that we well, had Christian Bale as sort of an asset in that respect, but it, but I think that what's interesting about this particular project, from what he has said, is that. He shot a movie on location in Japan in Japanese, which he doesn't speak, using non-professional actors and used like little hidden cameras and stuff. So it's going to be a real kind of window into that society. Now, is it good or is it just an experiment? Their decision to give it a special slot is notable. But sometimes when you have like really scrappy, low budget stuff like that, but it's from an auteur, it makes more sense in a special screening because if you put it in competition, like you were saying, the the kind of expectations are different. It's the same with Tommaso, which is the Abel Ferrara film, has Willem Dafoe. Now, I've been hearing rumors about this movie, but couldn't get it confirmed. This is also autobiographical. This one yeah. falls in the same category as the Almodovar. Yes. With but, Willem but, Dafoe well, playing a version of Abel Ferrara. And Ferrara's filmmaking, you know, is not for everyone, but there's I a guy. I love him. When he's good, always, he's good. He's when he's bad, he's him. terrible. Well, but even a movie like Welcome to New York, which is I which like is crazy, that one. It's it's yeah. There's vision to it. I think his narrative intensity has never bad faded lieutenant is, is a good oh, one. Yeah, I mean that's going back a ways. So think about Go Go Tales. That one was that was in Cancun about ten years ago. That was that's terrific. More more people should see Go Go Tales. I mean the thing is, most of his movies haven't come out in the U.S. the last few years for all these different problems, and because he's kind of nuts. But this one seems to track him going sober, moving to Rome, starting a new family and stuff. So I think that's going to be really interesting to look at. Um, but but in the competition, you've got plenty of reliable auteur filmmakers. The ones who I'm really curious about are the Dardens because the last time they were there, they had really their first kind of can misfire. Like it wasn't a disaster, but their last film definitely didn't play. And usually they're, they're so reliable in terms of the how last well one that ran. played well was the marion cotillard one right two days one night and then they came back with the unknown uh girl um which was sort of it, it had it was very much a dardenne brothers movie but it it, it it was sort of lacking something in a way almost I like, like it more than most people it was just a little underwhelming the i think woman doctor yeah the I woman like doctor it. story like yeah it. but this one, um, uh, Young Ahmed, is supposedly very much a timely story about this uh, Islamic extremist character who plots to kill his teacher. And that's the kind of stuff they really excel at is social realist thrillers that, you know, have a certain intensity to them. You know what it's going to look and feel like on some level, but it's, it's more about just kind of being pulled along by the sense of not quite knowing how it's going to play out. 
So I'm excited about that one. I'm glad that Arnaud Desp Despachant finally got back into competition. He's had a rough time. They've been giving him a hard time. So he's back. And then we have Xavier Dolan, who, who said he famously, you know, threw a hissy fit. You know, <laughs> this is a case of a guy from Canada who got his uh, can uh, kudos so young. Um, that he just started to take the whole thing for granted. You know, it kind of puffed up his head. But uh, it sounds like he's back in the zone. I did not care for his last film at all. So, But I know I mean, how gifted he is. I loved Mother. And when you say his last film, are you talking about his last film at Cannes? Because he had another film, his his first uh, English language film that premiered at TIFF last fall that was atrocious. I didn't see it. Uh, the the Death and Life of, of John F. Donovan. I didn't even so, go. This was Kit Harrington. I mean, it, no, I'm talking about the French language one full of right. stars. It's and I think what's notable about yeah. this one is that he has gone back to what I think may be preferable for him, which is unknowns. Well, well, the thing about Xavier Dolan is this is a guy who made his directorial debut at the age of 19. It was called I Killed My Mother and it premiered in Director's Fortnite at Cannes. At that point, he was sort of known as a child actor of sorts. So he's this prodigy filmmaker who's been very prolific in a very short period of time, but still very much a young filmmaker. So it's it's not like one of those people who, you know, after a couple of years, they kind of lose their touch. Like he's still in some ways kind of ramping up and has a lot of potential. He's not my favorite assuming, filmmaker. But... Assuming that his brain is, yeah. is is focused in the right right way. You, By the way, this has nothing to do with Ken, but you did an interview um, or we wrote a story about M. Night Shyamalan. Remind me, what speaking did we of, do? Speaking of film, sensitive filmmakers. It mean? reminds me of M. Night Shyamalan because, <laughs> right. because there is something, a, a filmmaker or, or even David Robert Mitchell, who's an example of somebody it, who was also yeah. formed by Ken, welcomed very early from the very beginning. And that's one of the reasons why he felt like he had to bring Under the Silver Lake to the competition, even though it wasn't really finished in my humble opinion but having gotten it in and gotten that kudo and that acceptance he refused to uh edit it in the face of very negative reviews you are way too kind to that it, movie i i like that movie and i i, I should see it again but i just, i like the uh, ambition of it and no there is at, ambition but he could have fixed it in the editing room that's what makes me crazy i think on some level that movie benefited from being unfinished for the audience that it has had over the past year. I mean, remember that even though it's getting its tiny release in New York and LA right now. I think it opens it opened, today. Yeah, but it opened overseas not too long after Canon has been out on DVD. And if you go into like internet forums, like on Reddit or whatever, there's really like a, a, a total fan culture of looking for Easter eggs in it's this movie. It's a cult. It's a cult. Yeah. But, but so I mean, I get mad because, that. well, he's a, he should get a, as much guy. pleasure out of it as he can. But the point is, is that I, you know, I went back and, and I, I, I remembered, for example, The Square. Um, I I went back and, and read my interview with the, the Square director and he was in Cannes. He won the Palme d'Or. And he went back and worked on the movie and anxiety ridden, you know, turned it into the perfect version of itself. Mm. This I still is what, thought it was way too long. For I, it you saw it before. Did you see it a second time? I did. Oh, yeah. well, sorry about that. But anyway, no, you weren't one of the big fans of that movie, I remember. But but it, it, it it's just a point. The point I'm making is that the, the, there are certain kinds of filmmakers who have their head on straight in a, in a way and, and recognize that it's work and that they have to 
make it perfect if they can. And then there right. are other filmmakers who who don't seem to have that same ethic. And and sometimes um, they're in their own heads and they're not thinking about how movies are going to play with audiences. And Shyamalan is actually one of those filmmakers who who loses track of of what's best. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that he's a he's an interesting example in this in the context of what we're talking about here, which is somebody who has a lot of success out of the gate but maybe not enough to get too comfortable with what you're doing and and being an auteur is is in fact a, very much a double-edged sword in that you it, write it and you direct it yeah and then and, and you know those expectations aren't always the right ones it, some people are very versatile can tackle a lot of different things but you look at this can competition lineup and you're like oh boy a new Almodovar new Darden brothers you know, and you can Ken Loach, movie, right. you know what that's going to be like, because in your mind automatically starts to fill in the blanks. I mean, that that being said, if they surprise you and do something great that's completely unexpected, that that's cool, too. But we should look at some of the other American films because there's actually a pretty decent showing. Iris them. Sachs yeah. is an interesting entry. And of course, um, I'm a fan of, of a number of his uh, small independent dramas out of New York, basically. But the reason that Frankie's in the competition, I'm hoping it's wonderful. But the real reason it's in competition is that it stars Isabelle Huppert and she can walk the red carpet. Well, people are going to get offended that you said that because I have I have previously described this as the obligatory Isabelle Huppert slot. And perhaps that is the case, but it is true that Iris Axe is long, long overdue to go to Cannes. I mean, it's a big jump. I'm just saying people, didn't but... have a film that was shot in Portugal that sh- that's in Europe that stars Isabelle Huppert. The likelihood is less good that he would be in the Cannes competition. Just saying. Right. But it has to, he I probably needs to, need to deliver. He, is, he does I a love lot. him. But she is also in a lot of movies that don't we don't necessarily see or remember to talk about and stuff that don't get that kind of placement. So hopefully, fingers crossed. In any case, and it's also not really an American movie. It's an American filmmaker. It's not really an American it's movie. It's a European so movie. I, yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that kind of plays a role in all of this. The one stuff. I'm also interested but, in uh, very much is Celine Siama's, however you pronounce that, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a period piece with um, a woman painter, a young woman painter doing a portrait of, of, a, of a noble woman and uh, a young woman and their relationship. And I don't know how to explain it to you, but I've liked her films in the past and I cannot wait to see this. Well, Celine Sciamma, I mean, she is one of the more respected French filmmakers working today and has been sort of evolving her career. Almost all of her films have played at Cannes. Not necessarily in competition, though. No, she played in Uncertain Regard, and then she played Girlhood. That's the one I like. Which is an amazing movie, open director's Fortnite, and she is on the board or the head of the board. I forget exactly four directors Fortnite and, and kind of oversees that sex. So she's a very much an active figure so in French film. Culture. The can uh, beltway now. Right. So she's overdue on some level. And it seems like this is a bigger kind of a movie for her, at least uh, in that respect. So, and look, they have four films from women directors. That's up one from last year. So uh, you take that. Hopefully they'll have more. Product. They will be right. adding a few, right? We, we don't know. We don't know. I am really curious about Maddie Diop's film, Atlantic. Uh, she It's her debut. She is, as far as we can tell, the first black woman in competition at Canon at 72 years. But also, she's a really interesting character. She's been making these really 
fascinating and beautiful short films for a number of years. And she's an actress. She was in Simon Killer. She was in uh, Claire Denise, 35 Shots of Rum, which played at Cannes. So she is going to be a potential What's major breakout this year. She's French. Um, but, but you know, some people are saying she's technically biracial. She has African heritage. And, and that's sort of what the film deals with on a certain level. So it'll be interesting to look into that. As a cinephile, I'm really excited about a lot of different kinds of people in the lineup who don't necessarily have name recognition outside of the Cannes context, like Ilya Suleiman, the Palestinian filmmaker who was last there a decade ago with The Time That Remains. I mean, he basically makes slapstick movies about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it's, it's brilliant, and it's really hard for him to get movies made. And if this movie delivers at Cannes, you know, the hope is that it will at least have a nice art house release in, in place. But it's an interesting moment. I want to I mean, see the really Bong Joon-ho, Parasite. That looks yeah. fabulous. And that one, already, here, that's one that already Neon picked that up, in, I believe, in pre-production. So that one's, that one's going to have a life. And it's nice for Bong Joon-ho to come back to Cannes because the last time he was there with Okja was the whole Netflix thing went down. And obviously he made another one that wouldn't be yeah. there. So... No Netflix movies. Oh, let's movies. talk about that. So at the anything. press conference, um, uh, Terry Frimo basically dodged the whole Netflix thing by suggesting that they just didn't submit anything. <laughs> well, I'm sure that probably is officially true, but I also think it is also accurate to say that Irishman really t- is well, taking a long time finished. to finish. That's definitely unfinished. And the, this untitled Boundback movie seems to be kind of a fall thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't, they don't seem to have a ton of stuff that would be can-friendly. But Netflix also has smaller films that maybe, I mean, they, they have, you know, first-time filmmakers from other parts of the world that could play in other sections. It sounds sections. like they didn't I have did anything auteur-driven uh, that would have been appropriate. But the other point is that, that, you know, the impasse has not been resolved, you know, well, I don't know if you saw the, the joke that bombed at the press conference, but Thierry said, I like to think of Roma as the, the best movie at Can- from Cannes that played at Venice. And nobody wow. laughed. Wow. Why would you <laughs> <Maybe>. say that? <laughs> because the, 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 the punchline of Cannes elitism is one that I think requires a certain amount of self-awareness. I mean, look, the, Cannes Can has an ego. It's not just boiled down to one person, no, but he one wishes, person often has he wishes, no, we, we know Terry Fuimo well enough to know that, A, he's friendly with Ted Sarandos, B, he played some Netflix films and got away with it once, and, and C, um, he's, he's basically dying that he can't claim Roma. Dying. I mean, it should have been. It, it felt like it a would have won the Palme d'Or. It would have been everything yeah. that they would have wanted. They could have claimed it. So, this actually opens up a bigger question. It might be a good note to end on, which is, okay, so when we talk about Cannes now, we, we always acknowledge the challenges that it's had with, with Netflix, the challenges it has with studios, it's too far from Oscar season, all this stuff. And yet, even if Venice looks really good this year because of the movies holding off for the fall that aren't ready or whatever, we still look at Cannes as the best festival in the world. And I think it's worth scrutinizing that a little bit. What is it that makes can still have this kind of aura that no other festival can replicate. I think it's the philosophy they exude, and it is a certain kind of elitism about being the greatest of the great. And I appreciate that. I mean, I, I think that some people, they see that from afar and they don't get it, or they think it's very narrow-minded. But somebody has to at least remind us that 
quality ma matters. It stand there I, need to be certain I standards. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I will say that the days of the because uh, I happened to write up a, a little item on the piano, the Jane Campion movie, and I was reminded forcibly of that moment at the seventy. 70th anniversary uh, of Cannes where they had all the, they collected as many of the Palm d'Or winners as they could. And there was only one woman there and there's never been another. It is Jane Campion alone yeah. in a sea of white, mostly white men. And um, I do want uh, Cannes and I know they brought in more programming uh, for people who are women and, and, and then they're working on it and bringing in Skiama is a good idea. But but still, um, they they have work to do in, in this regard, I would have to say still. Yeah, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is if you deem something good enough to go into your, your sidebar in certain regard of a certain regard, but then you'll also take the step of putting certain first time filmmakers or younger filmmakers in competition, then you have, you're, you're showing your work and that you have the options to fix this problem in a way that at least from an optic standpoint would take care of, of what people are complaining about without necessarily negating the quality because putting something in competition instead of in a certain regard is not, completely screwing up canned programming. It just, and some people might be like, well, is this really a competition movie? But it's not going to hurt the brand because you're still saying it's a can. Part film. of what we're talking so about is, is that there's a small group of white men still who <laughs> have in their brain embedded what else is the idea of what is a competition film. And you and I celebrate yeah. the fact that, that these auteurs are, are, are being, uh, you know, given a wonderful platform for the world. And, and we want that and we, we relish it and we love the experience of it. But um, four out of 21 is still not good enough. Sorry. No, indeed. And, and, and we'll see what happens in the coming days and weeks to see what, what they add, but it's not like there are a ton of possibilities being floated that would necessarily fix this particular issue. So expect it to continue to be a part and of the And I'm not, but this is, a, you can cut this out if it's stupid, but I, I do want to note that they have out of competition, uh, two, two episodes from a TV series by Nick, by auteur, Nicholas Winding They've Ruffin. got a TV. They, they will touch TV now. It's not Well, no, totally it's, it's very simple. Yet. If it's an auteur's TV, they'll touch it. <laughs> if it's Jane right. Campion, well, we'll they'll touch it. We'll see what happens in the future when every auteur of note has a TV series. But well, also the, the other thing that they're bad. Yeah. Bad. Sorry. The other thing they're bad about is docs. Okay. So why is the SC uh, Capadia out of competition? The Diego Maradona. He's one of the best documentary filmmakers we have. He won the Oscar with Amy, which debuted at Cannes also. So, so why not? Give a competent. That's the thing. They they just keep putting animation and documentaries and women in the, in some kind of second tier. I'm sorry, but they do. Yeah, you're making certain cultural observations that I think we have to keep returning to because there's no question that some there has been a shift at least in terms of taking these criticisms seriously. It's just that things move very slowly in the culture of can and and so it's not like all of a sudden you're going to see complete improvement you see small signs of improvement and then the next time maybe even more so maybe even more so but it's really it's very unpredictable because of so many different factors in any case next week hopefully we'll have an opportunity to come back and look and see what else has been added to can we've got 
some interesting Oscar news around the corner as well. So lots to debate. I hope you're enjoying this sort of uh, no man's land in between awards and festivals and all this stuff and, and the craziness of Cannes and then the summer because uh, it's about to get really wild again. So enjoy your weekend in and I will talk Bye, to you Eric. soon.